0: If you would, please stand with me as I read God's word for us. Uh, I'm going to read it and um, and then afterward, I'm going to say this is the word of the Lord. And I just want to encourage you, if you believe that this is the word of the Lord, you can show that by saying amen. After I say this is the word of the Lord. Revelation chapter 16, I'm going to read most of it, but I'll skip around and I want you to pay attention To what comes out whenever God's wrath is poured out. Pay attention to what comes out whenever God's wrath is poured out. Revelation chapter 16 verse 1. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels. Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea and it became like the blood of a corpse and every living thing died that was in the sea. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel in the charge in charge of the waters say, just are you, O holy one, who is and who was for you brought these judgments, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, yes. Lord God, the almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. The fifth angel pours out his bowl on the throne of the beast and darkness falls. Notice in verse 11, after they gnaw their tongues in anguish, they curse the God of heaven for their pain. And sores and did not repent of their deeds. And then the sixth angel pours out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. The waters dry up and to prepare the way for the kings to come in. And then in verse 13, the mouth of the out of the mouth of the dragon, the mouth of the beast and the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs come and they are demonic spirits performing signs that go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God, the almighty. Then verse 15, behold. I am coming like a thief, blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. And then look in verse 17, the seventh angel pours out his bowl into the air and a loud voice comes out of the temple from the throne saying it is done. Beloved, this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you for that. Amen. And that thanks be to God. I I, I don't know. (laughs) Y'all pray for me still. You can still pray for me. Just leading y'all to say the wrong things. Hopefully I'm going to say the right things. Um, I think at some point um, a man named Warren Buffett said at least one right thing. Warren Buffett once said. It's only when the tide recedes that you learn who's wearing a swimsuit. It's only when the tide goes down that you learn who's actually wearing a swimsuit and who's not. Buffett was talking about um, how there are a lot of theories out there about what is good for business, what may be good financial investments or whatever, but it's time that actually reveals who's right in what they're saying and who is only pretending. Spiritual realities are hard to see. Think about this. We can't see God physically. And it can be really hard to see where anyone really actually stands with God. Spiritual realities are hard to see. And Revelation 16 says that the tide that recedes in order to reveal who really loves God. Versus those who are just pretending to love God. That tide is is actually the thing. That you and I don't want to think about. It's the thing that. Many churches are too embarrassed to talk about. It's the thing that I. I. Fear that you guys are going to get tired of hearing about. Week in and week out through the book of Revelation. The tide that recedes to reveal who loves God and who is only pretending. Is wrath. Wrath. God's personal anger against those who rebel against him. The title of the sermon is The Revealing Power of Wrath. The Revealing Power of Wrath. I'm going to summarize this sermon in a sentence. And it is, when wrath is poured out, the truth comes out. When wrath is poured out... The truth comes out. So this morning, whether whether you come here calling yourself a Christian or not, where you are with God according to this passage comes out when the topic of wrath comes up. I want to walk through this passage, but not Going one by one through each of these bowls, I want to take what the whole passage teaches and I I wanted to show you two truths that are revealed by the wrath of God. Two truths that are revealed by the wrath of God. The first truth that wrath reveals is that rebels are guilty. This book that we're in is called Revelation because it reveals things that are otherwise hidden from us, things that we will forget, things that we will not think about, things that God wants us to keep in front of our eyes. And so he puts in front of us these seven bowls that are revealing to us that Jesus's wrath. Is like hazardous material or volatile liquid that's stored up in these seven bowls. And there's seven of them because this, this represents again symbolically all of God's punishment. And the bowls that hold this punishment are golden because Christ's punishment is pure. It's precious. And when his wrath. Is poured out. The truth. Of who it is who rebels truly worship. Comes out. We sometimes think about the world as being. Religiously diverse. You know there's Christians there's. Also, Jehovah's Witnesses, there's Buddhists, there's Muslims, there's atheists, and so on and so on. But God's perspective is there's really only two religions. There are those who worship the Lamb, and then there's everyone else. Who worships the devil? The devil. Verse 2, look there. The wrath of God is poured out on those who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. Now, a lot of these images and details have come up earlier in the book of Revelation. If you missed that, you can go back to Revelation chapter 12, or Revelation chapter 13. Those sermons there, I... Get into the mark of the beast and things like that. But just I just want to remind you, the beast is the devil's version of Jesus. And so the people who the wrath of God goes out on are the people who don't worship Jesus. They are actually worshiping the devil and what he wants. Which means everyone you've ever met is religious. You are religious. And if you're wondering where well where am I in these two groups, stop focusing on whether you're avoiding that physical mark of the beast. Well I haven't gotten the mark of the beast, so I must be fine with the bowls of God's wrath. No, if you want to know which God is you worship or or your friends worship or your family members worship, Revelation 16 tells you that wrath is going to reveal it. Wrath, God's judgment, is going to reveal the truth. When wrath is poured out, the truth of who people worship comes out. But also, cursing comes out. Cursing comes out. You see, it's three times. This is one of the main points in this passage. Three times in this passage. Look in verse 9. What comes out of rebels when the wrath is poured out? They cursed the name of God. Verse 11. Notice what happens when another bowl is poured out. They cursed the God of heaven for their pain. And then at the end of our passage, we didn't read this verse, but when the seventh bowl is poured out in verse 21, they cursed God. Whenever Job, remember, remember what happened to Job. Whenever Job's um, children die, and then and then he is diagnosed with this disease. You remember what his wife said. Curse God and die. What did Job say? The Lord. Gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Revelation 16 is saying the same thing is true, not just of his family, but of everyone. The truth about a person's spiritual condition comes out whenever God's wrath is poured out some bless the lord we're going to see that in a moment in verses 5 through 7 but others blaspheme that's that's the the literal word for curse they blaspheme god now believers in Jesus Christ are spared these bowl judgments and and you can be encouraged that you are a believer. If something comes out of you whenever you experience any of the Lord's discipline or whenever you experience some of the pain that, that is just common to this fallen world, what is it that comes out of your heart? Is it blessing the Lord? Are you careful in those moments where you are experiencing pain or even discipline for your own sin? Are you careful in those moments not to dishonor God at all? Not to offend Him, but trying to honor Him? Or is there any hint of blasphemy? Speaking Ill of God or holding back the honor that he is due in those moments. Wrath reveals that rebels are guilty, that they're aligned with God's enemy, that, that, that they are cursing God, that they are deserving of God's wrath. When wrath is poured out, something that doesn't come out of rebels is repentance. No change. No turn. They will not learn, like Pharaoh. They will not learn and treat God any differently. Beloved, the the lost people in our life are blinded by the devil. They're enslaved to their own sin. And they're on a path to a very sad eternity. That's not all that God has revealed about people who are not devoted to Jesus. God says they actually hate Jesus. Whether they say they do or not. Whether they raise their fist or not against him. If, if you are thinking that the lost people in your life are not really that bad. Or that they would come to God if if they only were convinced that that God was real, that he would just reveal himself and power and show that he's real. They know God is real. They know God is real. And when they come face to face with it in verse nine, they curse God. And they did not repent. And they would not give him glory. And then in verse 11 again, they curse God. And they will not repent. Of the way that they live. That's why I think these bold judgments, they're called plagues. If you look back up in chapter 15. Right before this in verses six and seven, these seven angels are given seven plagues and they are these these bowls of of God's wrath. These are plagues. That's why in in verses three through seven of chapter 16, what happens to the waters is they're turned to blood because they're like the plagues in Egypt. That's why in verses 10 and 11, darkness is what God puts on the beast throne because that's what he did on Pharaoh's kingdom. And what he's saying is it's not just Egypt. It's not just something that happened in the past. It wasn't just fixed and saving Israel. And beloved, it is not just Russia. And it's not just the Muslims. This is what is going on all throughout the whole religious world. And you heard what what Exodus told us about What happened when the Lord sent those plagues to prove you will know now that I am the Lord. And what what Pharaoh did was he refused to give glory to God. You may not be like Pharaoh. You may not have servants of God that you won't give up to God. But whatever you have, if you're not devoted to the Lord Jesus, That will show that you will not give those things up to him. You will not use those things for him. You'll think, it's my money. I'm not giving it to him. It's my time. I'll do what I want to do. It's my body. I'll do what I want to do. Revelation 16 is saying that average Joe rebels, whether they're tyrants or teenagers, whether they're gajillionaires or grandmas, Average Joe rebels are just like Pharaoh. Do you want to know what rebellion is? Do you want to know what guilt is? It's spelled out for us right here. It's the refusal to give to God glory. To treat him like he is the utmost and supreme. That he's the most beautiful and worthy being in all the universe. That he's worthy of all your thoughts. That he's he's right whenever he says you're wrong. That's what guilt is, and that's what rebellion is. We've got to broaden our definition if we're going to understand what God is saying to us here. I'll say some more, sister. Uh, Do you want to know what it means to be saved then? It means to live like God is the most wonderful being in all the universe, that no matter what happens in your life, he is right. No matter what he gives you or what he withholds from you, that he's good and that he's worthy. That's what it means to be saved. And, and God gives Revelation 16 so that Christians would be reminded of this. Be reminded. Don't you remember what happened to Pharaoh? He had two choices. God said, you will give me glory. Or I will get glory over you. That's the language. I will get glory over you if you won't give it to me. And you remember how he did it. He draws Pharaoh into the Red Sea, parts the waters, the, the land is dry. He draws Pharaoh in there with all of his army. And he gets glory over this great Pharaoh who refused to let his people go. Just crushes them. Destroys them. Listen. Chapter 16, verse 12. The sixth angel pours his bowl out on the great r- river Euphrates, and what happens? The water gets dried up to make a way for the kings. And then verse 13, there's these Unclean spirits that come out of the mouths of the dragon, the beast and the false. Out of the mouths, remember, is is a reference to deception. They're going to be deceiving the world to do what? They're trying to deceive the world to do what? Verse 14, to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. You know what the battlefield is? It's the dried up river. Which, if they're going to battle the Lord in a dried up river... You know what's about to happen to him. And so. Verse 15. Some of your Bibles may have this in red because this is the voice of the Lord Jesus. Jesus then turns to the church and says, behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. What he's saying is, if you don't want my bowls, but instead want my blessing, stay awake. Stay dressed. When Jesus comes to the world, He's going to find people who said they knew who he was. But they aren't awake. The thief. Will slip in. And take everything. He will find them not clothed. Naked is a symbol of guilt being exposed and we need to hear verse 15 because the bible belt is full of people who are doped up on sedatives maybe in the bible belt people aren't openly cursing jesus but they're sleepy. Being casual with Jesus. Not awake. Not ready. Being casual with Jesus is blasphemy. because blasphemy by definition is treating Jesus like he is less worthy than he is. Let me let me put it to you like this. We should be as Christians I think like Kenny is when he goes on a road trip. Here's what I'm saying. When Kenny goes on a road trip, he told me um He's never wearing his jammers on a road trip. Because when he's on a road trip, he may find someone who's in need and he doesn't want to show up with his jammers. He wants to be ready to work and to help and to serve. He's committed in that sense. He's not casual, even about something like that. Now I wear the jammers and the comps on the road trip, but that's that's not good. Casual Christians lounge around in their spiritual jammers, dabbling in sin, delaying their worship, don't care that much about the Bible, don't take the church all that seriously, As if Jesus is not coming back like a thief. I wonder. Would the people who know you describe your relationship with Christ as casual? It would be good for us all just to keep in mind. Whatever we're choosing to do. What if he comes back right now? well i feel naked and ashamed if he catches me like this beloved jesus christ did not die so that anyone would be casually committed to him i don't think that that means that all we ever do is take out our greek new testaments and you know study And then when we take a break, we're making little, little toys for orphans or something like that. I'm not, that, I don't think that's what he's saying. I do think what he's saying is that we Christians are to live with a constant awareness. My King is coming. He better find me busy with his works. When Jesus suddenly returns, Redeemer Church, I'm, I'm really confident he will find you awake. But let me encourage you, stay awake. Stay clothed. Stay confessing your sin. Do what these others will not do. Stay close to the truth. Stay close to church where you can hear the truth, where you can be loved by other Christians who can help you whenever you might be blinded by your own blasphemy. Stay awake. Wrath reveals that rebels are guilty. But the second truth that wrath reveals is that God is glorious. God is glorious. And one sign that you are awake and you're going to be blessed by Jesus is when you hear Revelation 16, that's what you end up saying. God's wrath is glorious. When wrath is poured out, I want you to listen to what comes out of heaven. Look again in verse five. Just are you, O holy one, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. Judgments. And then from verse seven, I heard the altar saying, yes, Lord God, the almighty, true and just are your judgments. Is this what comes out when you take in Revelation 16, that you believe God's punishment is glorious? It's glorious. These angels do The, the people at the altar in Revelation, the people at the altar are the saints who have been, who've died for being faithful to Jesus. Their blood was like a sacrifice to God. And they say, you are the holy one and you are the one who brought these judgments. We're not crediting the devil with these kinds of pain and punishments. We're crediting you and they are glorious because they're a reflection of how holy you are, how true you are, and they are just. They're exactly what was deserved. That's what verse six is teaching us. Look in verse six. He says, God gave them blood to drink because they shed the blood of God's people. What he's saying is, you know what they deserve for the blood they shed is to drink blood. I for an eye, which is just to say that God's punishment is glorious because it is perfectly fitting the crime. Now, you may read verse six and hear that the wrath of God is going on those who murder Christians and say, well, does that mean that I'm safe from God's wrath so long as I just don't murder, you know, the Christians in my life? Verse six is saying some believers actually do like carry out the fullness of their rebellion against God. They show how much they hate God by, by actually killing believers. But let me just suggest this. If you were to pull aside an unbeliever in your life and you told them you've got to give up your glory. You've got to give up your control. And you've got to give it all to Jesus. And if you don't, He's going to inflict pain on you forever and ever. My guess is you say that to people in your life and they will not take kindly to that. The truth comes out whenever someone is called, this is salvation, to glorify Jesus. And when someone's called to glorify Jesus alone, not have Jesus plus their, their plan for their life, Not have Jesus as someone who helps them get their plan for their life. But Jesus alone, no matter what happens in life. When people are called to that, then the Christians who are around that pay for it. Unbelievers will not suffer that. Whether it's big or small ways. But that kind of gets back to point number one, where. Wrath is revealing the guilt of rebels. We're in point number two, that wrath reveals also that God is glorious. His punishment is glorious, but also his power is glorious. You know, verse nine, the rebels are right about this thing. God's the one who has the power to do this. I mean, I, I understand, like, we, we have some idea of what power is. And we, we, we use whatever power we've got. I mean, you think about that that rotten little kid at the restaurant, you know. He's sitting down, and when his sibling's not looking, he takes that salt shaker and pours it all into the tea. He's thinking, I got power over Bubba. He's not going to bully me no more in this moment. I'm using all my power. Well, God can poison the Gulf of Mexico and the Brazos River and every body of water in all the earth. You know, we, we have some little ability to change reality when we take this, you know, raw chicken and we put it on a stove and we turn up the heat or when we want to simmer something, we turn down the heat. God is cranking up the sun to fry people. That's power. And then he, and then he's got the power to turn off the sun to make us stumble in pitch darkness. I mean, I know we're not in Deer season now, but you're trying to use that power up in deer season, deceiving Bambi with that corn you're throwing out, luring him in like that, you know, maybe spray some deer musk or whatever you got to the store. Y'all be terrible with your power. Well, this is what God does. God takes the deceptions of the devil he uses the devil's deceiving of the whole world and he assembles all of his enemies on one battlefield to destroy them. If it snows in Texas like it does once a year, we're quick to get on Facebook to show how powerful we are to roll up all those few inches of you know, snow. We got in our yard and we made this three foot tall snowman. Well, At the end of this passage in verse 21, God rolls up ice, not snow, and he creates these hundred pound bullets. He just throws. Beloved, here's the truth. God has power. I wonder what you think about him using that power for wrath. Does it. Make you want to glorify Him. God's punishment is glorious, His power is glorious, and His prevailing is glorious. His prevailing is glorious. Look in verse 17, when the seventh angel pours out His bowl, you hear from the throne, it is done. Verse 18, there are flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, a great earthquake. What, I'll just tell you this about the whole book of Revelation. This, this, that language, especially in verse 18, is telling you that the seventh bowl is doing the same thing as the seventh seal and the seventh trumpet. Because each time the seventh seal in Chapter eight, verse five and the seventh trumpet and chapter 11, verse 19. When that judgment is poured out, all these signs that God has finally act in earthquake, fire, rumblings of thunder. It's showing these are just different perspectives of the same final judgment that God is going to bring. It's already being revealed. It's already being poured out in these earlier seals and trumpets and bowls. But one day it will be done. And he will prevail. And all the rebels will be removed forever and ever. Now, some of you. Are not devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear me. I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm hoping and praying that the truth has come out. I wonder if anyone here, young or old, has finally realized just how guilty you are. Does anyone here, by the grace of God, feel naked before the all-seeing Eyes of the Holy One. Does anyone realize that you are so bad that God is right to destroy you? And that maybe you're coming to understand that salvation of someone as sinful as you is not. Quite as easy as some well-meaning churches has told you that it is that some loved ones have led you to believe that actually praying that prayer or making just the claim that you follow Jesus has not actually led you to living a life that glorifies God and therefore you are not safe. you realize you've never given up what it is that God ultimately demands and that is glory and control. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning who has come to realize that saving you would be the hardest thing in the world. Because God's judgment just brings out more cursing and all of his powers just made you resent him and not repent any at all. Can anyone can anyone admit that that a, a body that is full of cancer is easy to cure in comparison to a life that is full of cursing God. If you feel that way, I want to you to hear from me, you're absolutely right. In fact, it is far worse than you think you are far worse than you can possibly imagine, even your conviction right now is is clouded by how sinful and unrepentant how wicked you are at your heart and and I want you to hear what what it is that God has said uh, about what he's doing wrath for he says in Romans nine what if God endured with much patience vessels of wrath, the people who he's destined to be given wrath. He's enduring people with patience, and he does that because he desires to show the people who receive mercy just how much they have missed. Just how merciful God has been for those that he actually shows mercy, and so he He raises up people and he shows his power to pour out his wrath to them. But then he also says, Those who have no right to be my people, I will call my people. And those who were not beloved, I will call beloved. And you will be called. Sons of the living God. Friend. I'm here to tell you there is a cure. There is a cure for God cursing rebels. God's son was cursed. On a cross. And when he died. I want you to think about what he said. He said "It." Is finished. Just think about it. Think about what the details are. Of what happened to God's son. Jesus Christ on the cross. Darkness fell on him. Death. That belongs on sinners. Fell on the righteous son. Of God. God's punishment is glorious. God's power is glorious. God's prevailing is glorious. And God's propitiation is glorious. Propitiation. Propitiation. Which is a a word that just means God's wrath. Fell on God's son. So that those who deserve it could be set free. Christian, listen to me. You are a child of God. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. What is it that Jesus has saved us from? Yes, from these terrible pains. Yes, from this terrible judgment of God's wrath. But but also from your and my complete refusal and resistance to glorify him. That 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 attitude of heart that made wrath right. He saved us from that. We could not have believed him. We would have kept on cursing him. But his blood has actually healed us of that. Christ has saved us from hard hearted deception, from God denying obedience, delaying God, questioning rebellion. That's what Christ has done for us. And no matter how sinful you are today, no, God knows all of it. No, knows more than you have. He can do the same for you right now. He can save you. If you turn from your sins and. Cry out to Jesus Christ for salvation. He will set you free. But if you won't do that, this call from the throne of God, it is done. Is coming. So let me just leave all of us with this. Suddenly Jesus is coming back. Soon. Jesus is coming back. And he will get glory. Over every rebel. By taking everything away from them. When you hear that, what comes out of your heart? Lord Jesus, we pray that you would cause us to marvel at your wonderful love for sinners, that you cured the impossible. That only your blood and your cross. Only that could save us from the wrath of God. And. On the cross, the wrath of God was truly satisfied. Pouring his eternal anger on his eternal son. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for rescuing us. We pray that you would soften the hearts of all who are here. And we also say, come, Lord Jesus, and do all of this because you are glorious. And we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.